Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Slapcast. This is episode 16 of our coverage of the 2022-23 season. I'm your host, Gage, as usual, and we are back with our second dedicated episode to the 2022 World Cup. It has been a while. This episode was meant to come out in air immediately following the conclusion of the group stage, but due to the fact, basically, that it was on the weekend when the group stage ended, we were unable to put together an episode in time. So now this will be our group stage conclusion and the half of the round of 16 that has happened uh, before we recorded this episode. So you'll get kind of a mix of content there. Of course, it will be quite United States focused as well as sadly we have now exited the tournament since the last time that we recorded, but we will of course be breaking down everything that happened. I am incredibly pleased to announce that I am joined by everyone, which just, it's just so strong. It's just excellent. I'm first joined by Reese. Hello, Reese. Hello. And I'm joined by Ethan. Hello, Ethan. Hello. It's good to be back. I wasn't on the last one. Yeah. Ethan was uh, with me in Waco this weekend, taking my uh, senior graduation photos, which yep. hopefully turned out quite well. Yeah. Uh, uh, I lost them all. We could have yeah. done it again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're also joined by Josh. Josh, how are you on this fine winter evening? I'm doing great. I'm on like life is going good right now. I've found out my army job and it's what I wanted. So we're, we're hyped. Life is going good. I'm not stressed out about finals. I'm straight chilling. I'm a little stressed about finals, but other than that, I think. I have to get a 12 to pass this math class. I don't know if you can do it. I don't know if you can do it. I love figuring out (laughs) the minimum I need. I love doing that. I think I need like a, my parents hate me for it. They're like, why do you do that? And I'm like, I'm not planning on getting a zero. I just like to know. <laughs> my dad has taken like more of a hands-off approach since I got probably like my junior or senior year in high school. He was like, you probably got it handled on like like what you need to do. Because like he used to be like, you got an 80 on a test. What the fuck is wrong with you? And now yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, you're – I was like – yeah, I need like a 12 to pass this class. And like I could tell like it kind of bothered him. He was like, yeah, but you shouldn't like shoot for that. And I was yeah. like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not shooting for it. I just, it's nice to know. It's a nice yeah. safety net. Yeah, it's wonderful to know. Like, yeah, I need like a 12 to get a C. I need like a 50 to get a B. I'm not stressing about it. Man, I hope my parents aren't listening to this because now that I'm graduating, I like this semester doesn't affect my honors. It doesn't affect my cumulative major GPA. So I will take a C minus in every class. I literally don't care. I'm Harry Clark. Out. I'm, <laughs> I'm out this bitch. I do not care. So, yeah. All right, Josh, let's hear the question of the day. It's that time. So, in different form, I'm answering first because I just don't want my answer to be taken. What was, and it gives you all time to think about it a little bit because it shouldn't take too much time, but like it'll take a little bit. What was your overall theme for the U.S. before we got knocked out? Mine was too little, too late constantly throughout the entire tournament. Like we started attacking too late. We started taking quality shots too late. We made the right subs too late. Everything was so little, so late. And I think it just comes from having a manager who was decent but could never close it out in the playoffs into the MLS Cup, just a manager who's just not a winner. Like, we'll get you to the tournament, but we'll not win. I think that's the biggest issue we have right now. Anyway, continue. I can go next. 
my big thing with the U.S. in this tournament um, before we got out was that we made it a little, I mean, not a little, we made it really complicated for ourselves, you know. Mm -hmm. We didn't take a lot of first-time touches, which I thought could have been very vital in our chances, um, you know, just, you know, making an extra pass when we didn't need to do it, you know. That was, like, my biggest complaint this tournament was just making our pass, our passing was not the best. Set pieces were not the best, so mm -hmm. definitely work on that. My my theme. I'm trying to think of a like a overall statement for a theme. It's a cool question. I'll go with like um, football is played on the pitch, not on paper, because we were kind of the XG warriors this tournament, where we outperformed most of our opposition on XG. But who cares if you don't actually convert the expected goals to actual goals? Um, so that was my main thing because. I mean, even in the Netherlands game, but throughout the group stage too, like against England, I believe we were favorites on XG. Against Iran, you know, we actually won that game, but uh, against Wales as well, we were favorites on XG. But um, out of all the games I mentioned, we only won one of those. So it's like, it doesn't really matter unless you convert your chances. Pretty incredibly, I'm about to be the only optimistic one of the four of us with my theme for this tournament. I'm not saying you guys, I mean, you, I realize you guys are just being practical, but my theme for this tournament, I'm taking a more sort of high-level view of it, I guess, is I'm going to take a word, actually. My word is redefined. I oh, think yeah. we have totally redefined what the United States team is with this tournament. I think, you know, we were kind of seeing steps in that direction with qualifying, but there were still a lot of question marks like, you know, how's this team going to perform when they get to the biggest stage? Because, yeah, they won the Gold Cup and they performed well in the CONCACAF Nations League and blah, whatever, you know. But with all due respect to those competitions, they're not quite top level, I would suggest. Whereas the World Cup is the top level, the pinnacle of everything, right? And I think, yeah, as much as many complaints as I'm sure we all have with the way we performed in certain games and, and all that, I think we, the my biggest takeaway was I am walking away from this tournament proud of the team. Like I'm incredibly oh, yeah. proud of the effort that they put in. I'm incredibly proud of the way the players left it all on the pitch. Yeah. There's technical deficiencies, tactical question marks. Greg Burhalter is a, a, probably a negative coming out of this tournament, but um, overall, just in terms of the team itself, I couldn't be more proud of the way they played and you know how they left it all out there. Um, and even just certain things off the pitch too. I think, you know, I think of Tyler Adams answering that question from the Iranian journalist. Um, just, Things like that, I think, redefining, you know, what this team really is. And I'm feeling so much more positive going into what will be a World Cup in 2026, you know, on home soil. I think yeah. that's kind of my overarching theme for this tournament. Yeah, I'm like, even though I said like too little too late, like I am so optimistic for the 2026 World Cup. Like if I had to make a prediction like now, like a bold prediction. I'm saying semifinal. I was going to say the same thing, actually. Because we have the second youngest squad in the entire tournament, and most of them are playing in mid-level clubs in Europe. If that, not that's heavily inflated clubs. by Tim Ream, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. lots of it is – yeah, like a lot of it is like adjusted. But if I make like a bold prediction, and I guess this is just going to segue us right into Group B and the Netherlands-USA match because – it just kind of is naturally going to do that. But I'm so optimistic because we have the second youngest team in the world, in the World Cup. Sorry, my bad. Um, we have the second youngest team. 
We have a, an amazing midfield. We have really good players going forward that are going to consistently get better with more experience they have. The defense, I think we have some up-and-coming young players that are going to look like the midfield does for this World Cup. I think we're going to see a huge changing of the guard around like 2024 Gold Cup, 2025 Gold Cup going into the 2025-26 qualifiers. I think we're going to have a big change in the guard in the fence, but I think it's going to be led now by Matt Turner, who's going to be able to lead that defense and give a lot, a lot of that from Arsenal because I'd imagine Ramsdale – Depending on, well, I either think Matt Turner's going to go somewhere else or Ramsdale's going to go somewhere else. Sorry about the noise. I imagine Matt Turner's going to be a number one somewhere within the next year and a half. I suspect I think, he'll, I mean, his value is just skyrocketed after this tournament. Like we bought him for, I think, five mil. Um, we could probably sell him on for like 30. Oh, yeah. 35. So. Yeah. I, and that's a lot of money for a backup keeper, right? So I imagine we'll probably sell him somewhere. Uh, after a year or so. But. Yeah. But so I'm like extremely optimistic. I think if we look at the Wales game, we're one bad tackle from a player who was like pretty well removed from the playing of the season. Like he was Nashville got knocked out in the first round. He was a month and a half back from playing regular football. Sorry Come about on, man. Josh. Silence so sorry. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be one. It's my family. I thought everyone who normally texted me would be on here or asleep at this <laughs> point. But um, a month and a half – sorry, I had to re-like find my train of thought. I'm apologizing, y'all. Um, a month and a half removed from regular club football. Makes a silly challenge, leads to a draw. The England game, poor chance-taking, leads to a nil-nil draw. And then the one nil against Iran, we can talk about like wasted chances and how it could have been two, three nil or three one, two one, all we want to. But we got the job done. And then I think the Netherlands game is the biggest cloud over the tournament for us because we played right into them. Like that is the probably, I might be overreacting here just because it really annoys me. It might be the, the worst managerial take managerial like tactic move of the entire tournament we played right into what netherlands loves to do they sucked us in with their defense and their center midfielders and started playing long balls hey hey now long balls i was trying I, really I, hard and then i looked at gage well, I, hey I, I looked at ethan so i but, like, that is the biggest cloud over the tournament, and it wasn't on the players. I think that is the most promising thing about it. It's like it wasn't that the players overall screwed it up. It was that, like, I think I would largely, outside of wasted chances, blame this on Burhalter because we played right into them. If we don't commit our midfield as forward as we did, because we let our midfield get so far forward that no one was able to help our defense. Our aging defense, who is not going to be set up well for a counterattack, we let them get played right into it. And it, I, I, I generally don't... agree, but at the same time, if we take our high-quality chances in this game, we win. That's just how it is. I think back to Pulisic in like the 10th minute, one-on-one. I think back to Tim Ream. Uh, like right after halftime, he 
all he had to do was breathe on the ball and it's in the back of the net because uh, he had a free header at the back post or a free whatever. Um, I think uh, towards the end of the game, we had we had a couple of chances that were just, you know, not taking well. I think of Serginio Dest. He had a couple where he cut inside and then kind of just flubbed the finish. Um, and I, and I think the squad is young. So, like, I don't want to blame them because it's not necessarily their fault. And I do agree that the defensive setup, like, we, we should not have been allowing ourselves to be counterattacked. Like, you're totally right. But we did have the chances to win the game. I don't know if we would have won, though. I think best case scenario, it would have been 3-3 going into extra time. And I don't know if we have an experienced enough squad to beat the Netherlands in that scenario. Is the only caveat I would have to that because we also gave up three goals. Like, even if we score all of our chances, they still have three goals. Now, this is no slight to Netherlands. Netherlands had their best game of the tournament by far. Van Dijk looked decent. Dumfries has looked amazing once again. Like, no slight to Netherlands. They played really well. I just think that, like, tactically and managerial-wise, I think there are huge gaps between us and the European and the South American nations, and even the African nations and the Asian nations, to be fair. The only ones we beat is Oceania, and they're not even here. Yeah. I mean, undoubtedly, the next step, you would say, you would have to say, is is the manager, right? The yeah, players are there. We have the squad oh, yeah. now. It's just we need a really good manager who can take us to that yep. next level. Unfortunately, I just don't see it happening, to be quite honest. Just from the way the U.S. has kind of handled the team over the years, I I would have to imagine, and I, I think this this these standards are probably too low, but coming off the disappointing World Cup four years ago where we failed to qualify, Berhalter's um like objectives were probably to get to the round of 16, which he did. So I I, I don't think he'll be sacked at this stage. I don't it's one of those things that was kind of like I hate to bring it back to like my own club, but like it's kind of like when Leicester, when we had gotten to fourth, it was like, oh, we exceeded expectations, then fell back to fifth, missed out on Champions League. It was like, oh, like we could have done a, so much more if we had tactically changed. And going back to like what you said about our high quality chances, if we took our chances against England, we would have played Senegal today. Yeah. And I think it, I don't know if we would have beat them, but I think it would have been a we would have had a much better chance of beating them than we did the Netherlands, just based on the managerial choices we made and the tactical decisions that we would have made against Senegal. Yeah, one thing I will I mean, this is super granular, but one thing I will say about the chances is like that that ballistic chance is the one that really like lives long in my memory, the one in yeah. the 10th minute, because he puts that away. The Netherlands completely throw their game plan out the window. Right, because they have to come out, maybe not immediately, but they have to come out and try to score, right? And that leaves them vulnerable to exactly what our plan would be. Now, whether or not Berhalter was expressly planning on scoring a goal early, that I very much doubt. But I I tend to agree with both of you in that I do blame a little bit of bad finishing in terms of this specific result. However, a, a more canny manager would have gotten a lot more out of the game states that did exist within this yeah. this match. If that I also sense. think, like, Pulisic was so good. He was decent on the ball and decent at creating, like, the space and the chances. But when it came to crosses, finishes, even, like, through balls, they were missing for the majority of the tournament. 
Like outside yeah. of like a couple key moments, like his quality just wasn't there. And it it is there. I just I hope he gets a move away from Chelsea because I think a move away and consistent game time is going to completely solve that. But with the American managers, I don't know if that's going to be a realistic option for him. Because there's no way the American owners of Chelsea aren't going to want to keep him, which is kind of disappointing looking forward. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing with Pulisic, too, for me, is that I've said this before, I think probably on the podcast, whenever he was coming through initially into the, the United States squad, he was our first sort of, I'm not going to say world-class because I don't believe him to be a world-class player, but he's the, the step below world-class, I would say. Um, he was our first player at that level that had come through probably since, I don't know, like since Dempsey, Dempsey or, or Donovan. Yeah, yeah, Dempsey or Donovan. And so he was this the face of the next generation of U.S. soccer, and he was like labeled as this golden boy of U.S. soccer. And, and when he got the move to Chelsea, it was expected that he was going to be this phenom you know, this American kid that's going to come show the Premier League what he's all about. And I just don't think he's that guy. Like, I think I I, I don't love the guy because he plays for Chelsea. But on when he plays for the United States, I, I enjoy watching him and I enjoy his attitude. Um, I just think he the expectations for him are so grandiose above what he can actually meet, if that makes sense. And again, I'm not saying he doesn't have quality. He absolutely does. I just think because of when he came through and how good he was relative to the rest of U.S. soccer at that point, he suffered so much from that. And I think he has an impressive mental fortitude, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who wouldn't be affected by that. Hell, there was a commercial about it, this World Cup. Yeah, I was just thinking about it. Like Pressure makes sense commercial. Yeah, like – there's literally a, com- a commercial about how much pressure he was under. And and then the thing that makes me laugh about that is at the end of the commercial, they have this like commentary where it's like they it's the whole Pulisic, he scores, incredible, and there's no goal. They don't show a goal because there's not one to show. Like mm-hmm. maybe there would be now with the, the Iran goal, right? But like he just has never been the guy that steps up in those clutch moments. And I don't think we should expect him to be that all the time. So no, I, I think... also think he still takes over a lot of the attention. Like I th- still think outside of the U.S., he's still not like respected. Dude, there's not enough other players we play going forward that are respected as well as him. So I think he takes so much of the attention. So when he holds on to the ball longer, he sucks in that defensive midfielder and he sucks the center back farther out than what he would if we had Reina out there, if we had. Haji right out there. Whoever whoever we have playing on the wing or whoever we have is playing as the second striker. Whoever we have playing out there, he's going to take would you Reese, stop no. it? look, I I was done and then I looked at Reese again. Was... I look that was smiling because of you. <laughs> like just his stature and what he means of when he came through the club, went through club football and moving into the international side. He just – he draws that much attention when anyone plays us because he's – who's – Dude, you got I said draws. No, I didn't no, no, say no. suck that time. No, no. I – no, no. I I opened Twitter to check something, which was a mistake, because I saw a he daddy tweet. <laughs> 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 so, 
And it was it was the worst timing ever. I'm not even gonna say it because it's so fucking horrible. I can't even say it on the podcast. Send it in the group chat. I yeah, I'll I'll send it later. But yeah, I I totally agree though. I think and and also I don't I'm I'm gonna this will be a quick point. He he is the the one out of this young group who has experienced this already. Not the World Cup, but he's experienced being put under so much pressure already. And I think because of that, he becomes the emotional leader, right? I mean, I understand Adams is the captain, but he becomes the emotional leader because he knows how to deal with this stuff. Our so. captain is also so fluid anyway. They're like He's also is the only one who has dealt with major deployment on the international stage. Almost everyone else has won every final they've been in. They've won the Gold Cup and the Con- the Nations League final. Yeah, None of them have experienced this at a national level yet. Yeah. So I think he's going to bring a huge – going forward, going into the next Gold Cups, I think the next one is next year if I'm – I don't think I'm wrong. It's weird. I don't understand the, the scheduling on the Gold Cup. I'm going to be honest. I think it's weird because sometimes we bring in, like, South American – it was because of the Copa America Centenario. It completely Yeah, fucked that up. fucked everything up. But do y'all have, like, other thought? I mean, Iran was kind of what we expected. I, uh, before we move on from Pulisic, I, I do think there's a certain aspect of that, that pressure makes diamonds commercial that's kind of true. Because I, I think Pulisic could be that guy at the next mm-hmm. World Cup. Because we think back to what you were saying, Josh, how now what he has experienced. He not only, you know, him and the rest of the team now have now experienced a loss in the knockout stages, which is devastating, right? But before this, Pulisic had experienced not qualifying uh, against Trinidad. Uh, and like you mentioned, he'd also experienced some, some final losses like in the Gold Cup and stuff like that. So I think, you know, this is the next kind of step, the next kind mm. of pressure that's going to be added to him. Because he's he's I feel like he's just taking all of these experiences and evolving because there's no doubt he's a much better player now than he was um when we were trying to qualify against Trinidad and Tobago, right? So I, I think this is another experience for him to add. Uh, and, you know, it, it applies to the rest of the team too. I think the whole the whole squad is going to come out better from this. But I think Pulisic especially could could become that guy. Yeah. I feel like we definitely, like, hit all of the points in the head. I think the group was kind of surprising. Like, I didn't expect Wales to be as bad as they were for the majority of it i didn't expect iran to get on the front foot it's more of like i expected iran i didn't expect iran i didn't expect iran to be on the front foot as much as they were and then i did (laughs) and then like england were just so weird like they were they've been so dominant in like the first third and then the round of 16 game and then they just look so flat against us. You know, I think part of that is honestly due to the fact that, like, they were in a pretty low-pressure situation in that game. Yeah. I think a draw suited them right down to the ground, right? And so I don't think they were under immense need or pressure to, to win that game. So I think yeah, maybe that's why you saw such destruction of Iran and Wales, respectively. We got to bring up your Wales prediction, Gage. No, we don't. Top yes, of the do. group? Top of the okay. group. Okay. Okay. 
(laughs) (laughs) I don't have anything to say. I don't because I do have this. They were a lot worse than they should have been. I think the quality that they have, they were significantly worse than they should have been. What quality do they have outside of Gareth Bale? And he's been uh, playing MLS football. Barely. Barely. We, we look. We went through the players <laughs> list, and I I was saying I think there are players that have more quality than than you guys think. But you did, and then we went through what clubs they're from, and then we receded that. I look. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I was one hundred percent wrong. I don't know what else I'm supposed to say. I, no, I can't it. just get, I just wanted to make fun of you. Yeah, I it's just okay. I can't continue to justify being wrong. I'm just it's okay. Two of the four semifinalists I had were out of the, at the group stage, so it's fine. I also I interrupted Ethan. Sorry. Well, it's fine. I already forgot what I was going to say. Oh no. <laughs> no. Well, okay. I I did remember. Uh, so with going back to England, you know, I feel like they can do. They don't really have to deal with too much pressure in their games, so they're able to you know confidently go forward and you know not worry about defending too much. But I feel like the U.S. were the first team that actually you know pressed a lot more than the other teams did. So they were you know. That's why I kind of shook England a little bit, and I think that's why we were able to get the draw with them. Our pressing and counterpressing this tournament was absolutely insane. Yeah, um, it was. I think we were third overall in in the whole. I think so. Tournament leading up to when we got knocked out, which, for reference, um, last time we were in the World Cup, I think we were sixth from last. So, mm-hmm. shout out to Gage. Here we shout out to that one. I don't. <laughs> yep. Former guest of the podcast, John Miller, who clearly who clearly I'm awful at names. (laughs) I follow him and I regularly see the tweets. And I saw that tweet before it got sent in the group chat. But um, I think yeah. And then England, like because Senegal did exactly what we did the first like twelve minutes of the game today against England, and then fell off a fucking cliff. Yeah. And yeah, I think probably... England England were kind of kicking into another gear that they didn't reach with us though too. So true, but we also didn't let them kick into that gear. We also like they tried to progress the ball a little bit, but we also didn't let them, which I think yeah. is slightly different. Tyler but Adams Senegal also had... man marked Jude Bellingham into oblivion, which Senegal did not do, and it clearly did did not work. <laughs> which Tyler Adams so... has done before. Like when you put him on someone who's like the keyhole of the midfield, like they're not going to do anything. Um, but, like, I guess it was a good chance to, like, transition to, like, Group B, Group A. I'm going to make one more England point. Never mind. I'm going to so, shut the fuck up and yeah, sit here. Yeah, you should. Um, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> so, uh, you know, going into this tournament, a lot of people were, you know, pointing the finger at England's defense, and they're like, you know, they're obviously, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And being that, you know, they're not going to do good because of, you know, Harry Maguire starting and yeah. And so I think a lot of people forget how good other parts of their game is uh, or or are whatever, Um, you know, Jude Bellingham, rising star. And then they've got so many attacking options up front and they've all gotten not involved in the scoring. So I think this is you can quote me on this if they end up getting out in the next round. But I think I England can make it to the final. Not winning, but they can make it to the final. I agree, and I'm kind of upset by it because I just don't like England. <laughs> Who's on the yeah. other side of England? Oh, They're playing France next. Oh, oh, fuck. Never mind. I take it back. I take back my agreement. Oh, they have France next. I still, I still hold the statement. 
I do not at all. I the France defense looks shaky. Brave. I think they can beat France. I think they can beat France. I'm not saying they will, but I think they can beat France. It's going to be a tall order to. I've got uh, one for you. Giroud. (laughs) I really thought you were going to say Kylian Mbappe. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I kind of agree with Ethan, though. We were pointing out today there are some moments in the French defense that do not especially convince me. Same is true for England, but, you know, I think, honestly, I'm going to point the finger at my own man here and say Hugo Lloris really did not convince me in that game yeah, against Poland. dropped it on Lewandowski's head. Yeah, and also misplaced a million passes, which is par for the course for Hugo Lloris. But... I mean, yeah, he's not known for not making errors. Yeah. At so, least in an international level. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's per club level too. He's made some strange decisions in the past. But yeah, I so I'm it's it's stupid to bet against France, but I think England could do it. And I'll say if England beats France, I think they'll win the tournament. That's my kind of secondary prediction, I guess. But either way, yeah, unless y'all are itching to say something else i think josh is right we should switch over to group a um because we kind of already touched on the netherlands a little bit they were in they never got out of second gear in this group they didn't have to uh really just kind of easy going i think the two most interesting teams in this group actually are senegal and ecuador uh because that was kind of the well that literally was the deciding factor between who got through because they played each other on the final day of the groups um I think that last game was amazing it was a great game and it was yeah and, like, and i and i was really impressed by ecuador i'll say yeah i, I, I really believed ecuador was gonna be the team that got through uh just off the basis of their games you know against Qatar and then against the netherlands as well uh obviously they lost the netherlands game but i really I thought they looked fantastic in, in the previous game. So I, I thought Ecuador were going to be the team that makes it through, but they actually yeah. drew the Netherlands, by the way. Oh, but. And then yeah. I was the opposite. I had Ecuador going through at first, and then I thought Senegal were going to make it through later on. I think that was a great game. It was like constantly back and forth, like great saves from first. Just a really good, like, final group game. 2 1, great scoreline, but. Fuck Qatar. I feel like that just covers fourth place immediately. Yep. They were um, brutal. They were an embarrassing organization, embarrassing country. You're you're so embarrassing. Please never show up this... in the tournament again. I know it was the first uh, host nation not to win their opening game, but was it the first host nation not to get out of the groups as well? No. Because I know, I know there's no statistics. Way. Well, here's why I say that is because they're the first host nation to not win their opening match. And I know that there's like a statistic where the team that wins their opening match, like 81% of the time go through. I don't think South Africa. I was about to check that. (laughs) I was literally about to check that. But going look, sorry, were you going to make a point on that? No, no, go ahead. Okay. I was going to, I, you know, it, there was a lot of attention on Senegal. Obviously Mane was injured, so he couldn't, uh, he couldn't join the team uh, for this world cup, but I was still, you know, look. I know obviously the game is not played on paper, but just looking at their team, they've got a lot of players to cover in the areas that he does so well in. And I mean, you know, they have Sar, just to name one. Um, but you know, I we I think just from my perspective, I really thought Ecuador was going to do good, but they were playing Qatar first, and it was just a bad teller because Qatar are so 
terrible. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, think- I, I think that they are the worst performing team I've ever seen in a major tournament. I can confidently oh, no, say that. Dude. Saudi Arabia were really, really bad in the last one. They were they were yeah. worse. They were bad. They, I don't like, know if they were worse though, man. Qatar was embarrassing. That first game was utterly embarrassing. I mean, they at least beat my prediction that they I, they weren't going to score a goal. They got one. <laughs> yeah. Um, South Africa didn't make it out of the 2010 group stage. They beat France, but got beat by Uruguay worse than Mexico did, and got out on and were third on fourth ones. Are you so saying they beat France. Yeah. Oh, France were in like a really bad downturn at that point. Kind of like how I know, but still. Yeah. France finished bottom of that group. Yeah. So I'd be very interested to see the list of host nations that didn't get out of the group. I would imagine it's not many because they didn't start going to third world countries that bribed them until like last. (laughs) Okay. I don't think, I don't think South, did South Africa bribe them? I think that was no, either third world countries or. I guess second world countries with an exorbitant amount of money that throw money at their problems. Okay, yeah. Um yeah, I was just gonna go try to check, but I don't know how I would even look that up. Yeah, that's a future question. Yeah. That would just be sure. like a that that would just be like a slow burn through it. Because yeah. like most of the yeah. countries that host the World Cup until like probably until South Africa were all in Europe or well, South Africa. You know, I know it, it very well meet well be a list of two names it might be i wouldn't be surprised if it was because uruguay won the first as the host and then beyond that i have no fucking clue yeah i'll i'll go through and look and and we can tweet it out what i will say is uh the the one that i was suspect of was south korea japan but they actually both got out of their group so but south uh, korea and japan killed that tournament and so did Turkey. there were some refereeing controversies in that tournament i but they they might have bribed the referee. It's unconfirmed, but it's very suspect. It's, it's South, they believe South Korea bribed the referee in that tournament. Uh, that's such an aside. Anyway, <laughs> my my takeaways from this group is that the Netherlands were sandbagging because we didn't know how good they were because they uh, didn't have to play that well. I mean, they beat Senegal, but Senegal, that game was pathetic, uh, to be honest. I think they, they were group- adjusting without life with Monet. Yeah, they, they definitely were. Uh, they drew with Ecuador, again, kind of a meaningless affair. Uh, and then Qatar, again, pathetic, horrible, the worst ever. So that's my takeaway from this group, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Another strong comment by me. Let's move on to Group C. <laughs> uh <laughs> Group C, of course, featured probably the upset of the tournament in its very first match, which was at 4 a.m., so I think nobody except Josh was in their right mind to wake up for this. <laughs> Saudi Arabia, with a 2-1 victory over Argentina to start the tournament off, really just an incredible display, something that I don't think anyone would have predicted going into this. Uh, what's funny about it is that Saudi Arabia finished last, and Argentina still won the group, so... It was a great upset, a great story, and then it immediately didn't mean anything uh, within a week. So, I mean, Saudi Arabia still played the upset for Mexico. That last goal kept them from qualifying. Yeah, that is true. That was, that was crazy. Great. That was a great set of two games. That was probably one of the only 
final day of the group where both games were like insanely important and both were great games. Yeah, and it was tense, man. It was super mm-hmm. tense. I, I really enjoyed this group. I will say that, especially considering Mexico went out. Um, Here's what I will say. And we obviously know that Poland, we, we know that Argentina are through. They beat Australia uh, yesterday. And we know that Poland are out because they lost to France. Interesting question. Do you guys think Mexico deserve to go through or do you guys think Poland were deservedly second place in the group? I think Poland were deservedly second place. Mexico were awful until the Saudi Arabia game. Like they did not look good. They, I don't think they deserve to go through. Also, if they deserved to go through, they would have turned it on against Poland. I mean, Ochoa, obviously, you know, great goalkeeper. He always steps up and saves a pen when they need him to, but. They just did not look good in that Poland game. So I think no, they, look at it like they were that, brutal. Yeah. I think Poland deserved it. I, I, don't I really honestly think, think either of them deserved it. I think yeah, Saudi Arabia right. deserved yeah. it. Yeah. Saudi Arabia yeah. probably did, but yeah. Yeah. They yeah, were I mean, genuinely fun to watch. I hope their that manager stays with them through the next World Cup cycle because I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they made it like a quarterfinal. They do have a more aging squad, so there may be quite a bit of turnover that leads to that not being the case. But they all play; they have the biggest draw from one club for one country. They all play for Al Halal, which I think would probably transition that well. True, very true. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is Lionel Messi. Uh, he is, of course, up until today, he was joint top scorer of the tournament. He essentially single-handedly beat Mexico for Argentina. And he played decently well in the Poland game, but uh, was helped along by some of his teammates. What are our consensus thoughts on Messi this tournament so far? Uh, He wants to win way more than his team does. Yeah. It's kind of sad to watch. I couldn't have said it better myself. I wouldn't have thought to have said that, but that is like a perfect way of saying it. I, I it's sad though because I feel like you hear a lot of these Argentine players talk about how much they want to win it for him and how much you know they all grew up watching him and idolizing him and you would think that they would be more motivated than they are but I suppose that's not the case. It's almost uh, like they're scared to do anything fantastic and fuck up and to let him down almost. Is almost they're making way like. for him. They don't want yeah. to get in the way. Which I understand to a degree, but I think this has always been a problem that Argentina's had too, is I think they they just have no synergy going forward. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just never confident that they're going to play well, connect well when they go forward. I think so, it might be the lack of just like players not playing at the same club. Maybe, just, but I mean, how many of the how many of the French players play at the same club? Not that I mean, many. You have a couple of PSG, you have a a couple of Madrid. In the starting lineup today, there's only one PSG player. Only one Real Madrid player. But like if you look at the last World Cup winning squad. I mean, that's not what I said. <laughs> if you look at the last the last team that won a World Cup, they had players that played in the same club team. I, I yeah, I mean I don't think it makes th- that much of a difference. Like I don't think it's worth considering that factor when choosing who to start, at least. I'll say that. 
I mean, I don't think it's a factor of who to start, but I think if like if you're starting players and they do have that, it makes a world of difference. Yeah, I, I mean, I could I could see where it was a point, but I definitely don't think that's not what I would point to if you ask me what Argentina's biggest issues are. I think I don't think it's their biggest issue. I think it does play into it though. Because outside it, maybe, of yeah, the short time that Lautaro Martinez and Acardi played it in Inter together, they that's about the only link that I, I can think of. I'll say I have Mascherano and Messi. Is Cardi in the squad? No. No, no, no. But, like, I'm just, like, thinking of, like, Argentinian players who have played in the same team. But I don't know. I Argentina, like, I think they might scrape it to the final. Then whoever they play in the final, I think, might just clap them in the face. I think the first not – to, not to dog on Australia, because I actually thought they were all right in the game against Argentina. But I think the first – competent team no that's really harsh actually the first like high quality team they play they're gonna lose that's that's what i think so is the netherlands an example of that no. i think like they the did the US. Are, yeah i think they're good enough to beat argentina i think they're good enough but i also think the manager is going to be aware of how they're going to play more than burr was i think the consciousness of how they're going to play and seeing it happen with the U.S. I think is going to make a major difference. Talking about Argentina? Yeah. To be super honest, like I, I feel like I don't know what they are from a tactical sense besides give the ball to Messi. That's what they are. So I actually don't agree. Like, But like giving the ball to Messi and allowing the defense to t- take shape. That's not a tactic, t- though. Hold, it's just not- hold if you let finish. If you allow the defense and the midfield to take shape against not getting as far forward, so you don't get burned out on the counterattack as much, and allowing one midfielder instead of all three going forward, I think that allows the ball to get to Messi a little bit better than what we were doing against our Netherlands, where we were throwing two and oftentimes three midfielders forward and getting burned out in the defense. I think you're giving their manager too much credit because I do not think he's thinking about that. I also think I don't know he, if he, is. he is kind of a weird appointment in the first place because he was this interim manager who like had never had a senior coaching job and they didn't really have they were in like a financial like wedge and they couldn't afford to to go out and hire a legitimate manager. So they just made him the permanent manager and then they won the Copa America. So he's not exactly what I would call a tactical mastermind. I think the situation you were just describing, Josh, is a really easy way to get messy triple man marked out of the game. Uh, I appreciate it. But like having him triple man marked, does that not open up the game? Theoretically, but if all three midfielders sit back, like you were just saying, then I'm not saying all three. I'm just saying not committing all two and a half forward. I'm pretty sure you said all three when you were talking earlier. No, I said I said the U.S. committed all three at times and two and a oh, half forward okay, okay, sometimes. Okay. Got it, got it. Yeah. Which I think if Argentina doesn't do it, gives them a much better chance to beat Argentina than what – beat Netherlands than what we did. Yeah, potentially. Either way, I think, I think Argentina is going to win that game just because I think they will probably not make the same defensive mistakes that the U.S. made. Um which is really the reasons we conceded more than anything, I think, 
systematically, of course, didn't play into our favor, but there were some individual errors that cost us too, which I don't think will come as easily for Argentina. Yeah. I just think, I feel like because Argentina won the game against Australia, where it's easy to ignore how they played in this game, but Australia could have tied this game. Multiple they nearly times. did at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, it's not like they beat Australia comfortably. And I'm not saying maybe they maybe they shouldn't have because Australia have played well this tournament, right? But you know, we I mean we talked about paper versus on the field, but but on paper that it's like a huge, it's a huge gulf, right? From Australia to Argentina. So I am just not as confident in in Argentina than than y'all, I think. I'm not confident. I think it's gonna be like a really, really tight game. I think Argentina are going to edge it out. I agree. Um. Oh, and timeout. No, it is a two-country list. Only South Africa and Qatar have never made it through. Okay, I also had to like adjust because in like the thirties through like fifty-eight, they went straight to a knockout round where Switzerland yeah. hosted it and lost seven to two in the round of sixteen to Austria. So, so since there have been groups anyway, yeah, you you had. And then largely most teams have at least won their first game, if not the entire tournament, which in the 40s and 50s, I'm like, hmm, that's questionable. (laughs) A little, yeah. But all right, let's move on to Group D, which is, of course, the group that we already, again, have kind of parsed into a little bit here, which is France and Australia uh, coming through the group. France winning the group, Australia coming second, despite losing their first game. So there's another example of a team who bucked the trend. Uh, and then, of course, you had Tunisia coming third and pathetic Denmark uh, coming last in the group. Really pathetic. I think we we all had them, or at least some of us had them winning the group, yeah. which another bad prediction by us, by me specifically. Uh, but I'll, I'll join you with that one. Yeah, I think France, I, I, I was, we were slightly down on France going into the tournament. I think obviously the injury list kind of spoke for itself and looking at the rest of their squad, I just wasn't super confident that they would have the strength and numbers to get it done. What I will say is I underestimated several of their players. Uh, I really underestimated, mm. underestimated, underestimated uh, Aurelian Chuameni. I think he's been really excellent in this tournament. Uh, I also underestimated the ability of Olivier Giroud to continue to score <laughs> at the top level. And I'm actually, I'm so serious about this. I all time top goal scorer for France now after today, beating yeah. Thierry Henry's record. How long do y'all crazy. think that's, that's gonna last? Because Mbappe is, already... is gonna beat it. No, <laughs> Mbappe <laughs> is already like 12. By the way, no, no, absolutely. Mbappe is already like only 20 behind and is like 13 years older. How long do you think it's gonna take for him to get there? I'm gonna go with like a year and a half depending on who they play in friendlies. I'll go a little longer. I'll go to the end of Euro qualifying because they're going to play some doo-doo crap teams in Euro qualifying, and he's going to score, gonna score like seven against Andorra. Yeah. Is Giroud not going to ever score again? He's getting well, there. He's already outpacing him, though. He, he, would not have, he would not have seen the field much if Benzema had been healthy. That's what I'm saying. That's true. Say. That's true. So. And I think as soon as the cup is over, when it goes to like the Euro qualifying cycle, they're going to immediately back to Benzema. 
I'm going to guess Giroud will probably retire before the next Euro uh, qualifying. At least yeah, retire from international football. I feel like he could be the next Ibra and just play forever. Yeah, I mean, I, I could think, see it, to but, be honest. He's in great shape. When was the last time Ibra played for Switzerland, though? Well, he never played for Switzerland, so that's an interesting take. But <laughs> Sweden, um, my bad. <laughs> uh well, he retired from international football a long ass time ago, though. It's not because he wasn't getting called up. He just said he was done. He like was he would absolutely of, still get called up. He was tired of not going to the World Cup, and then yeah. they immediately qualified. I for thought the World he Cup. came out of retirement and then didn't get called up, and so then he retired again. That sounds like an Ebra thing to do. It, that might that have happened. Yeah, I think it was while he was in the MLS. Yeah, but yeah. Um. So Australia really kind of surprised me because whenever they got demolished by france i figured tournament over like negative three goal difference after the first game confidence destroyed uh i figured they were done and then tunisia of course like played a decent game against denmark it was nil nil but they played a decent enough game they ended up beating a much changed france so there was quality there and i figured that tunisia would probably at least get a draw out of australia but no australia got it done um and then they ended up beating denmark who were absolutely just pitiful in the third game of the groups did y'all um, see what happened though with the with when they brought on the two forwards though so no, when you... so when denmark brought on the two forwards he handed the manager handed like a note card that one of the forwards brought out brought out to the captain the captain at some point dropped it one of the Australian players found it, brought it to the manager, and that's when the next substitution happened when they brought on that center back and switched to a 5-3-2 and completely shut down Denmark for the rest of the game. Interesting. That is very interesting. I did not pick up on that. I was uh, I only got to watch the highlights of that game. Bit of class, espionage. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bit of sleuthing. But, yes, but Brat. I don't know why that just made. Fuck! <laughs> I don't know. I said a bit of sleuthing, and then I just thought, yes, but perhaps. But um, I actually I think the France Australia game was a, actually a decent indicator of how Australia would play in the group, despite I think the score Because I think four one is extremely harsh, but for a majority of the game, because I'm pretty sure, unless I'm mistaken, that France scored. Yeah, sixtieth minute, seventy first minute. So like, and they had two earlier goals, but like. You know, up until late on in the game, it was 2-1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And this for is true. a short period, it was 1-0 Australia. Um, and they, they just ran out of gas. I mean, they were defending Mbappe. What are you going to do, right? Yeah. Um, and Osman Dembele has been playing fantastic. Their, their whole attack is just it's monstrous. So they really just ran out of gas, I think, towards yeah. the end of the game. But for a large majority of that game, I actually thought Australia uh, looked pretty good. Um, I think so too. Like they were creating really like high quality chances and they weren't just like gimme ones. Like yeah. they were genuinely like worked really well. I will say like the Mbappe piece, Maddie Cash, like he had a couple mistakes today, but he played a hell of a game for being alone on Mbappe more than he should have been. Like I don't know what the Polish manager was thinking today, but he left Maddie Cash alone for a lot of the game. Yeah, well, Camille Glick is not exactly blessed for pace, so I think that might have something to do with it. But, uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I think other than the obvious, I think Matty Cash is probably Poland's best player. So, I 
which is hilarious because speaking of Poland's best player, can he score a fucking penalty for no. Christ's sake? Well, he I did. Anus on the field, but I mean, yeah, but like one for three on penalty yeah. at the World Cup is not good. I'm sick of this stupid slow run up hop. 360 no look penalty crap. <laughs> <laughs> like a Call of Duty montage. Yeah. Just yeah. Run I'm, up, I'm hit as hard as you can. Yeah. I, I I think it should be I'm I'm kind of with you, Reese, because I think it should be disallowed because the goalkeeper doesn't know when to dive. Yeah. Like and then I mean, the, they've changed the rules now, which is already suspect to the goalkeeper like now has limitations on when like they can't come off their line until the ball is struck, which is dumb. But if yeah, you're gonna have that, no, it that, no, it hasn't. That rule was changed. No, that rule in was like changed 2016, in like, wasn't it? No. Okay, no. but that's not that long ago, even. That's six years ago. Was that 16? That's eight yeah. years ago. I think it was way more. I, I thought that. it was the first. I thought it was. Win. I thought it was like 18. Because then it had in the Euros. Wasn't there a big like hole when uh, the Germany Italy shootout? Maybe hold on. I'll look it up. Someone keep talking. Either my my point is it's it's a stupid rule regardless of whether when it was introduced. Yeah, I understand because they have it. it, it they they now have these dumb run ups where you know you like walk in slow motion and hop around on one foot. It makes it impossible. The for Bruno Fernandez special. Yeah, it, or the Jorginho. Dude, it's the, like it's yeah. the Jose Martinez special. He started that shit and everybody <laughs> followed it. I would. You like just don't know. That. The goalies oh, cannot. There's get no lagging. way that Bruno and them watched the MLS and got that <laughs> idea from him. That's not what happened. I'm just going to say that. He right did now. it when we were watching the MLS, though. I don't care. And Bruno was still a child at sporting. I still don't care. <laughs> there's just no way that's, the goalies though know when to die i mean i can't argue with you i just i don't care I, i'm not i don't think we need to change the keeper rule because i think the keeper rule if you change that then like it opens the doors for some like hard-ass shenanigans i'm okay with banning the hop what do you mean it opens the doors it was like that since the dawn of time until like four years ago yeah, but then if they change it, they're gonna be then some goalkeeper's just gonna start running at the keeper at like a random notice. What? Or, <laughs> <laughs> some keeper's gonna run at the taker just randomly. Well, it's never been like that. It's, it's just like you you're allowed to move around on your goal line. I'm pretty sure it's 18. I've discovered the the when the rule change happened. According to IFAB, the rule change happened in 2019. That's still four years ago. That's three not years that ago. Long. I can't do math. Basically, four years ago. I'm gone. Three and a half. My Ethan hat's gone. Work- Wait, Ethan is working. I my hair looks stupid, but my hat's gone. I'm gonna have to put it back on immediately. But um, I can't even remember what the point of that was. I don't it's know what you're gonna bring that That's back to. Yeah, it's a dumb rule. The uh, thing is, that keepers are already disadvantaged in penalties, so they're just making it more up. difficult for them. But how many how many penalties were scored? I think it's nine penalties have been saved the entire tournament. Because no one knows how to take a penalty. Fuck off! That's such a that's that, not that, an that, argument. <laughs> yes, it is. That's absolutely an argument. People like literally just run up. And, who's, the, who's the best I, penalty taker in the world? Who's the best penalty taker in the world? Ronaldo. Harry Maguire. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, McGuire. Ronaldo. Ronaldo had one saved in this tournament. It's it's Harry Kane. Thank you. What does Harry Kane do? 
just Got runs you. up and smashes. Oh, God. <laughs> Once ever. Uh, I thought it was runs twice. Up. The other one doesn't count because the South <laughs> kicked, kicked the penalty spot before he took the penalty. He's only genuine. No, he's only genuinely skied a penalty one time in his career. Aside from that, what does he do when he takes penalties? He runs up to the ball at a normal speed and blasts the bitch. Okay, that's how you take a penalty. You don't do this fucking little. You don't do this little three sixty. Like I'm about to do a little dance. They do. They go start, and then they're like, "Oh, oh!" Like nobody. You can't do that. Slow mo. You remember Paul Pogba used to do like flash dance. <laughs> okay, I love that though. Uh, one million centuries uh, to reach the ball. I, I love that though. At least he wasn't changing his speed. He was consistent. <laughs> this is a stupid conversation. Um, such a I'm gonna have a field day editing this. Yeah, this this is easy. <laughs> God, I can't. Not, why, did I, why did I get up and start dancing? That's a great. Just that's just ammunition <laughs> for for Ethan. Um. Yeah, okay. Let's, let's, let's. That wasn't even the group we were talking about. How did we get on to that? Because I was talking about France, Poland. Oh, oh, oh. I, okay. I was like, how did we get here? Um, yeah. Let's move on. Uh, group E. Yeah, group E. This was the weirdest group of all time because for about 10 Funny minutes, group. yeah, for about 10 minutes, Germany and Spain were about to be out of the World Cup. It was Japan and Costa Rica. Even though Spain has a goal differential of plus a billion, they were about to go out of the World Cup. Unbelievable scenes. It starts, of course, with uh, Germany losing 2-1 to Japan in spite of them dominating the first 70 minutes of the game. Japan makes a substitution, changes everything. Uh, Another substitution, Takuma Asano. Arsenal legend, baby. Arsenal legend. Uh, I was very happy with this prediction. This was so out of just my, this was gut. This is a gut call. I did not think they topped the group, but I just had a feeling they were going to beat Germany to it. Yeah. Germany were not great. It's funny. Actually, their best game was against Spain, in my opinion. Which Uh, happened in the last World Cup. Their best game was against their best opponent. Yeah. The Sweden game. Which it. I don't know. They just look so flat. They just all the new players looked okay, and then Coach Rico a striker. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. Also, there's not much they can do about that, though. Let's they want to bring Kevin Volan back from the fucking dead. Or just their answer was to bring Nicholas Fulkrug. He was injured. Who Werner? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, they now Fulkrug wasn't injured because he played. Werner was injured. Um, Kai Havertz is playing in front, I think. Yeah, Kai yeah. Havertz at false nine is an option. Thank the fucking Lord. Because I hate that bitch. Yeah, I can't stand him either. <laughs> That's but... gotta be racist. How? <laughs> I guess the what? Germans, didn't they invent racism? That was not even racially charged. <laughs> Today's episode is going to be titled like "Let's all dump on Josh" or something like that. <laughs> Josh has had too much. In fairness, he's had some flaming diarrhea, hot, awful garbage takes today. So he <laughs> just covered his camera. <laughs> no, he just covered it. He didn't turn it off. Thank you for not turning it off because that would be, be hell to edit. Um, not really, but it just adds a lot of time to my bullshit. Um, Spain. 
I think I was way more convinced by them at the beginning of the group than I am now. Um, the last game was not good. Yeah, needless to say. Also, I mean, they looked really crisp against Germany, but the finishing touches just weren't quite there, which is weird because they scored seven in the previous game. Uh, is Josh going to come back? Or is he... He's oh. coming back with a drink. No, he turned the light off. Josh, He's... we can't see anything. He probably doesn't have his headphones in still. Um, well, he emerges. He emerges from the deep. Hey, Josh. How we are you going to say? Okay. Talk about Spain. No, no. I'm going to take it back to Germany. If we're going to say anyone invented racism. We moved think, on. We moved on. I think we should at least throw the paint at England and then say. I, have, I think I said that before. I think I and said that. I think. Okay, fair. And then Germany ran about a billion miles an hour the same direction. Let's yes. not excuse the United States in this conversation either. But there's so many countries. Like Brazil. Every I mean, country in history, pretty much. Yeah. But so Spain, Josh. We were just talking yeah, about how Spain were that conversation. We're, we're much, <laughs> I, much I said more... it just because it's topical, because of you know Kanye and all that that's like going on. Because <laughs> it's, it's oh, topical. Man. Hey, shout out graduation, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually like Kanye's music in the first place. I, I never either. did. You can ask anyone. I've been a Kanye hater since day one. Okay. Spain, a lot more impressive at the beginning of the group. Not quite so impressive at the end of the group, Josh. Uh, what is your overall synopsis on Spain? I think, and are you confident that they are an elite team in this tournament is basically what I would ask. Not anymore. Strictly because of the decline of their performances, or yes, I just, I think they have so many young players, and I think they just don't have the experience. I don't think Xavi can, or Jesus Christ, Busquets can carry the team in a leadership aspect as much. I think they're going to be super dangerous in the twenty four years and the twenty six World Cup. I just don't think they're there yet. Yeah, I think we actually talked about that in our prediction show as well. That, that we just weren't 100% sure if they had the, the necessary analysis to get through. What I will you, say... You actually mentioned it, Gage, and talked about the experience of Pedri and Gavi, and then they were insane, and so then we were all clowning on you. Uh, but then the end of the group stage kind of proved you right. So. Yeah, well, it didn't necessarily prove me right, because I, I mean, I do still think they were the best players for Spain by an absolute, like, nuclear landing zone. That that they were so the just they're phenomenal. Pedri, oh, he's just mwah, such a good player. I I can't explain how much I enjoy watching him. And then of course Gavi had that beautiful outside of the foot cushion finish along the ground off the post in just gorgeous. However, in a game that was very what I would describe as smash and grab against Japan. They sometimes don't have that experience that's needed to marshal the game to its close. Because Spain opened the scoring in that game, and it looked to be done. And then the second half, Japan come flying out the gates, score two goals in quick succession, and then just manage the game from there on in. Because that is quite an experienced Japanese team as well. So I think just learning what it's like in the this like high-level setting, how to draw games to a close – that kind of thing is something that only comes with experience. And once they have that, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So I think 
what they need to do. Alvarado Morata, the super sub, just needs to get subbed on in like the fifth minute of every game that they get to play from here on out. And just, I think they'll be fine. Maybe, maybe if someone wrote a manga about Spain uh, winning the World Cup, then they'd win their games. That's what I'll say. Did someone write a manga about that? Yeah, there's one currently going on, and the anime actually started airing concurrently with the World Cup, and it's like skyrocketing in in sales right now. Really? Yeah, because it's That's all about hype. it's all about rebuild rebuilding the Japan squad because they want to win a World Cup. That's huge. Yeah, so Japan obviously through to the next round. <laughs> a little bit disappointing for them that their uh, efforts to win the group are rewarded with a game against last tournament's runners-up. Uh, they'll be a little bit disappointed with that draw. I think they would have hoped for something a little bit easier. But I think it's a favorable matchup for Japan. I'll be honest. I, I think they could get through. I'm still taking Croatia. I'm I'm a croatia -er. You all know this. I'm a fan of Croatia, but I do think it's a, it's a good matchup for Japan, and I think it'll be a close game, either way. So I'm going Japan. You're a Japaner. I am. I'm I will also. Pilled. I'm blue lock pilled. That's the name of the manga. I will also be a Japaner. That's what I'm rooting for. I think Spain are going to win, and sadly, I think it's going to be a Spain Portugal quarterfinal. Even though I really want to be Japan Morocco, and I'm just going to be probably disappointed. Japan Morocco would be a ton of fun, but Spain Portugal would also be a ton of fun. That was probably the best game of the tournament, or one of the best games of the tournament uh, in the 2018 World Cup. That so. nacho goal, oh. that and then Ronaldo, Ronaldo with a hat kick. trick. Oh yeah, just unreal stuff. Pinnacle, as as I'm, the peak of football. As much as I'm going to be for Japan, I think now that they're out of the group, they're going to hit the wall, and Croatia are going to show up. See. I thought that last World Cup, too, and then they came out swinging against a really good Belgium team and then looked amazing. I just think and Croatia they hit the are wall so and lost. and so <laughs> not pacey, and I think Japan are. Yeah, that's but, very true. Yeah, but... I think Croatia is very solid in defense, though. Yeah, but then Croatia make up for the lack of pace with insane balls from the midfield. You can't even you can't. be mad about us laughing yeah, at that why? because that is just... They made four with insane balls <laughs> from the midfield. Yeah, pause. the pause. Oh. Yeah, the delivery is what's really just criminal about that. That one was intentional. Yeah. That one, I thought it and I was like, oh, they're going to take this one and be a bunch of a-holes. And then... We took the bait. Y'all did take the bait hard. So... Let's use that as a segue, actually, to talk about this this uh, Group F, which I'm going to guess that nobody, very few people on the planet uh, had Morocco winning this group. I think, you know, some of us did question whether Croatia would be in and about it. Uh, I think we all probably had Belgium winning this group. That ended up being not the case. Obviously, they're out of the tournament. Uh, the number two FIFA-ranked team in the world, the, not that that means literally anything, but... Um, yeah, reports of dissent within the squad. I think, you know, we talked about that De Bruyne is on record saying they're too old to win the World Cup, which is not something you want to hear. I think. Yeah. And then Vertonghen on the record shooting back and saying, yeah. I guess our attack is too old to score goals. And then off the record, supposedly there was some kind of altercation between the two. That yeah, apparently, like, none of them are speaking. Yeah. yeah well, I, I heard a couple. 
Yeah, I heard a couple of the players booked early flights so that they wouldn't have to ride back on the team uh, team flight. I think it, it's all started as soon as Roberto Martinez announced he was stepping down as manager. I think if he would have waited, I think the team chemistry would have been a little bit better. But I think when your manager is like, oh, yeah, it's my last tournament, fuck it, and he's not even from the country, I think that completely starts like – because he's not going to bring a whole lot of passion to it anyway. At least in my mind, he wouldn't. Maybe I, not. Bruyne. <laughs> you can't I mean, say yes. that. You can't say that. Yeah, you can't say that. I mean, I get it. He's frustrated. By the way, his body language during this whole tournament was absolutely terrible. He, he also said it following the first game, which he won player of the match for, but he was not good. And he yeah. also admitted that. Like, he was like, I don't know why I won player of the match. I think he said because of the club I played for. Why, my man. Yeah. He yeah. was not good in that game. And then he goes on to say, like, yeah, we're not going to win. We're not good enough. I think that he has completely changed since he has been at City. Because, like, the last 2014, he, like, had that fire in him when he played in the World Cup. And then in 2018, it was still there. And then this year and even the Euros, it just was the last Euros, it just wasn't there. Is playing at City at a team that's just so dominant, just rotates everything. It's just his fire just isn't there anymore. Yeah, I think that's plain to see. And he's clearly very frustrated with something going on behind the scenes because, yeah, I mean, like I said, his body language was awful. Facial expressions were awful. Comments to the media were awful. So, and and the thing is, you're inclined to sort of give him the, the benefit of the doubt because at one time we talked about him being the best living player in the world uh or like the best active player in the world not too long ago right so i think you have to give him some level of credence on that but then it's tough to say whenever your leadership group the likes of vertongan and the likes of all the viral and courtois those guys have been there for so long kind of fire back at him and and obviously i have a a really soft spot for yen vertongan he's a club legend at spurs but he's someone who traditionally is like the coolest head in the room, like tr- just pure captain material, leadership. Everyone you know and gets along with them traditionally in the dressing room. So there's definitely some kind of bad blood going on there between the players, because generally you wouldn't see something like that from Jan Vertonghen, and it seems slightly out of character for De Bruyne too. So I don't 100 percent know what's going on there. No, I also what? think you're playing. Oh, sorry, Ethan. Make your point real quick. Oh, I was going to say, they're also playing against three countries where Belt, Croatia, a third or a quarter of the of the players in the squad were refugees at one point. They're playing the Canadian team, which is extremely young and extremely fast-paced. And you're playing Morocco, who just brings that African flair, like we're just going to throw everything in our hearts at you. And when you play like they did with the attitudes they did, you're not going to do anything against those kind of teams. You're going to skim a result against Belgium, against Canada, and then shit the bed in the other two games. I want to talk about Icarus Incarnate, that is Romelu Lukaku. Didn't start the first game, and then proceeds to miss all five of his big chances in the last game. Yeah. How has he fallen? Twice, Uh, like three times. He should have gone to United. Yeah. Yeah, he shouldn't and have then gone after that. He shouldn't Chelsea. have gone to Chelsea. He shouldn't have gone back to Inter. Now he's just, yeah, he's, he's made lots washed. of weird. He is washed. He's made lots of weird career decisions for sure. I think, but I think he definitely Adam bombed his own career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he he did. I think 
he's that started with the whole United thing, but then all the, the interview that he gave at Chelsea was really just a nice way to tactically nuke your entire future as a footballer. He did the Ronaldo thing without being as good as Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. All right. Or did Ronaldo do the Lukaku thing? We'll I never. feel like Ronaldo will never do Ronaldo will never do the Lukaku thing. All I'm saying is the teacher asked me to hand in my test. And I said Romelu Lukaku. And she knew I was finished. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so stupid. Okay. Morocco. Let's talk about Canada for a minute. <laughs> Let's talk about Canada for a minute because we were all really excited to see them in this World Cup. Um they clearly played with a ton of passion. I think you could see from the moment O Canada started playing in the Belgium game, I think, you know, they're, they're panning across the, the players. They're all absolutely belting the anthem. Kamal Miller's got tears running down his face. You can just see, you know, what it means for them to be here. And um, I really love the effort from Canada. I just think, you know, at the end of the day, not enough quality, especially in defense. But I did I actually, I don't, I don't want to blame the quality. I think it's more of a mental th- or not a mental it's an experience thing, because I think they, they, and I, I think y'all would agree. They should have won this Belgium game. Yeah. The, the first game of the group, they were absolutely the better side. They should have won this game. They didn't. And they did not only didn't get a draw, they, they lost. Mm-hmm. So I think in a game where you should be the winning team and you not only don't get a point, but you, you get zero. I think that's such a huge hit mentally that you have to have the experience in this kind of situation to be able to bounce back, which they don't, because you know it's their first World Cup ever, right? Second, no, second, but they didn't first score a goal in the last one in a long so, time. Though. I think you also have to look at the clubs that all come from, and generally, they all, the majority of them, come from Montreal, and a few come from Toronto and Vancouver. Vancouver have been shit for the last like twenty years. Toronto have been awful since Bradley and Josie Altador stopped playing for them. And then if you look at Montreal, they just made the playoffs for the first time in like, I think it's been seven years since they, they last, since Drogba was at the club. So if you look at the type of players that are in there, outside of the Canadian Cup, they have not played in like high marquee tournaments for the most part. Because they didn't qualify for the last Gold Cup. They weren't in Group A for the last Nations League. They haven't played in a high-stakes game because they dominated so well through qualifying. There was never a high-stakes game. The U.S. game against us, they could have they could have drawn instead of won against us and been completely fine. So I think they just don't – none of their players outside of Alfonso Davies playing in the Champions League final have had a high-stakes game. Yeah, that's what I mean with experience too, right? Yeah. They just, I'm just like they elaborating on it and like yeah. more of it. They, they didn't know how to come back from that, basically. Because I also think there is some element of quality in terms of the, at least in terms of the center backs. You know, I tons of respect for Kamal Miller and the passion that he showed, but you know, him and Steven Vittoria just not there. Just a lot of defensive mistakes. Positionally, really, is where they're super weak. Um, a lot of positional mistakes. So regardless i think it's it's obviously a mix of both and i think good things are ahead for canada i'll say that um i do think that the qualifying their performance in qualifying was i'm not going to say a fluke but it was a lot more down to momentum and 
just the kind of intangible good feeling around the team than it was due to their actual quality. Because to be honest with you, if Canada had played the U S in this world cup, I would back the U S to, to wipe the floor. Um, and maybe that's an American bias take, but that's just kind of the way I feel. I feel more optimistic about the U S than I do about Canada for the future. So, yeah, I do want to give a shout out to Alistair Johnson, who I thought had a great tournament and he earned himself a move to Celtic out of it as well. Uh, so really cool to see for him. Uh, and then, of course, the likes of Tejan Buchanan, who Reese, I know you were impressed with, who is uh, playing in the Champions League now with Club Bruges. So maybe we'll see some more high stakes action for him. And then Alfonso Davis, of course, scoring Canada's first ever World Cup goal. Uh, playing really... every position ever. Yeah, yeah, literally all over the pitch. He's he's a phenomenal player. Uh, he absolutely put on a show in the Belgium game as well. So, yeah, really fun, really fun player to watch. Okay, let's move on to the next group, which I'm already forgetting what it was because I got distracted. It's group G, which was probably the most expected and outside of the Cameroon-Serbia game was like the most boring group. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. The only reason I woke up for the Cameroon-Serbia game is because I'd be up for PT like 40 minutes after it started. So I was like, eh, what's 40 extra minutes of sleep? Now, this might be harsh because I obviously didn't haven't watched many of the games from this group. But I think if you had another team in this group, maybe like Canada, they probably would have gone through. Oh, yeah. Just because the other teams are just not good in this group. I think Switzerland, like they relied on uh, reliable goalkeeping and Shakiri to come through in the international stage. But like most of the games were like fairly like plain outside of the Richarlison goals. Um, I think that was like the only standout moment that I remember. His record for Brazil is. It's absolutely ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. You can tell he cares a lot about the games. Like, even if it's a qualifier, like, the, what he brings to that game is insane when he plays for Brazil. So he – I'll I'm just going to give a little bit of context on him because I didn't know this ever until he signed for Spurs and they did kind of a little media feature on him. He is genuinely one of the best human beings, I think, in the game of football. And I don't mean that in mm -hmm. terms of like playing ability. I just mean in terms of what he does like for the community in Brazil and stuff. So he uh, owns a children's hospital in his hometown, which he donates 10% of his uh, annual salary to. And he owns a football club in the uh, in his hometown, which every time they have a game, they give out free meals to all the kids in the community. Um, he is somebody who really just, I guess the cliche is like, he didn't forget where he came from. Right. And so I think he knows, he just remembers so clearly what it was like to be in that position. And, and I think he just has so much love for that community and, and for his country that he, um, just, yeah, I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why you see him perform. And he was one of the only Brazilian professional footballers who was outspoken against Bolsonaro. So Fair play, fair play. I think it was also them being scared of like their families being, you know, like murdered. Some of them maybe, but uh, I mean, Lucas Mora is just straight up a fascist, so I don't know. <laughs> Some of them might be just straight um, up. I did the one picture that I saw, like the Olympics posted. They were like Olympians and what they're doing like right now. And it was a picture of Richarlison with his dad, and you could tell like both of them had been like bawling their eyes out after that first game. Yeah. Also, the Brazilian team. That squad that they played in the second game and the third game was absolutely ridiculous. And that was their B team. 
Jesus is injured. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, Not he's our Lord and Savior. The <laughs> the, uh, the the outlook is decent for Arsenal, though, right? I mean, I heard he's supposed to be back around January. So he's coming back to Colony right now to run some tests. If he needs surgery, he's out for three months. If he doesn't, mm. then he'll be back by January. So yeah, that's tough. Really hoping he doesn't need surgery. <laughs> yeah. Militao at right back was way better than I thought it was going to be whenever Danilo was hurt in the first game. Yeah, Eder Militao is someone that I constantly forget exists. I don't have any overarching opinion of him whatsoever. See, that's how I feel. But then when I see him play, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's really good. (laughs) I I guess there's a reason he starts for Real Madrid, yeah. Yeah, like the Champions League final, he was great. Like, he just – I kind of like him. Great. Awesome. The last group, <laughs> I yeah. The last group was like it was extremely flat and then kind of crazy for the last games. Yeah, it was. I I think here actually here's what I want to say. Ghana might have been one of the most fun teams to watch in the tournament. Like because yeah. they were kind of not very good, but they also really impressed they me going forward at times. Really yeah. They just really showed an inordinate amount of desire. Do I know you, the man, the myth, the legend? Yeah, <laughs> I would also Having like a sec- great second game. Yeah, he was crazy in that game. The crosses he was putting in were insane. But only if he would do it for them. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Daniel Marty played into like half of the entertainment factor because he would just pass the ball to a random forward periodically throughout every single game. Can we talk about when Amarty just was like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, what was he doing? I don't know. He is so bad. During, the, like... during that national anthem, instead of singing, he was just doing, <laughs> like opening into... his mouth as wide as he possibly could. <laughs> yeah. Like, what was, was he doing? Yawning. Yeah. Yeah. Why was he doing that? Oh, it's so funny. I do want to bring up as well in the in the first game. I, I think it was against Portugal when their second goal, he did the, the damn Sue and Ronaldo got so yeah. Oh, my God. That was so. Uh, I know they were losing, awesome. but that that was the win for me. Just to piss Ronaldo off. Yeah, I do kind of think like I I don't like Ronaldo either, but I do kind of think it's like, come on, man, you can't really do that. Like you're losing in this game and I you're know, playing against but it was one funny. of the greatest players I love players that of all it was time. after he got subbed off, so like he couldn't <laughs> react. <laughs> yeah, imagine I if he got a red card for like the reaction against it, and like if he just like lost his mind knowing Ronaldo. They showed him on the bench, and he was like, like, yeah. I would say South Korea up with, like, Ghana were also one of the most passionate teams we saw. Yeah, Yeah, they were. Whoever that number nine is, why was he not starting every game? Yeah, uh, Cho Gwesong. Who does he play for? He plays for FC Anyang. I don't know why he wasn't starting because he was their best player. He was better than Son most of the time. Yeah. I mean, Sonny didn't Sonny hasn't had a great tournament. He's he's had a couple of good assists, but other than that, he hasn't had a great tournament. Understandably, though, like the fracture of the face is gonna Yeah. Definitely has like, an effect yeah. for sure. But I do think it's cool. I saw like a bunch of shots of the like Korean kids in the crowd and stuff, and yeah. they're all they, they all have like little masks. cutout masks. I think that's, that's super cool. cool. Um, and just the, the fact that the fans stayed, you know, after the 
What which game was their last one? The Portugal yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they beat beat Portugal and then all the fans stayed around to watch the rest of South Korea or Ghana versus Uruguay mm-hmm. to see their team, you know, seal the deal. I would say I I know most of the world hates Suarez, but I I genuinely like him, like kind of like Richarlson. and he does give a lot back to Uruguay. Seeing yeah. him like ball on the bench was like heartbreaking. I I <laughs> I really the audio listeners are gonna be so confused about why we're all laughing about that. Uh actually it's video on Spotify now too, so <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was I I really I, I hate that they do this to people like uh anytime anything would happen in the game or in the other game, they would immediately cut to Suarez. Like I think it's kind of rough that they do that. However, I really enjoyed watching the like humanness of that because yeah. you could see that whenever South Korea scored, like anxiety just went through the roof and knowing that he was subbed off so early in that game too, just, I mean, you could see how bad that felt. Did y'all um, see, did y'all see the story? I didn't know this about the reason why they play the last games at the same time. It's so that you can't like know the, it's so that you don't know yeah. what result you so need like, and people I, like match fix. I think it was like in the 1982 or 86 World Cup, like something had happened with – it was an African country. It might have been Zaire, and they – if they were still a thing at the time. Anyway, um, it was an African country, and so they, like, had won their game. But for both Germany and, like, Austria to go through, Germ- West Germany needed to win by, like, one goal. So they scored in like the twelfth minute, and then both teams just held possession the rest of the game. So like in the next World Cup, they started. It was the seventy-eight World Cup, and they started in eighty-two World Cup. So I thought that was kind of interesting. They talked about that in one of the three games. I thought that was really interesting. I don't, I don't hate Suarez, but I think it's hilarious that it was against Ghana. Yeah, I do too. It was very fitting. Like honestly, but I would have done the same thing in the twenty ten World Cup. No, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think him using his hand. I think, you know, do what you got to do for your country, right? It's, you, you get a red card, there you go. You've been punished, right? Yeah. It's in the rules. It's whatever. But I, I just think it's – because Ghana, they just hate him. They just Yeah, they hate, hate him, him so much. It's so rooted in them, and it's awesome because they're they're losing this game. And there's technically a chance they can still go through on the final day, right? It's it's so marginal. But there, there was technically a chance, I think. They just had to score – a million goals no no if they had drawn they would have gone through because they had the goals for tiebreaker against south korea yeah but like they they're losing two nil and they are time wasting so much because they don't they just want to knock them out they just yeah. want to knock them out and i think that's hilarious i saw this video of like a Ghanaian influencer like interviewing the yeah, like, yeah. Ghanaians on the street and they were like how do you feel about Suarez?" And like they were saying some wild things, like something that I was like, "Oh my god!" And it that was it was just funny. I, this is kind of a funny story. So like we have a couple people in RTC who are from Nigeria and like enlisted in the army and are trying to be officers now. And we were we had heightened weight one morning. It was the morning of the Ghana, um, the Ghana Serbia game. We had it. I put it on on in the classroom while people were waiting to go get weighed. I started talking to them about it because they like realized that like I actually have like an interest in the game, and they were like, "Yeah, they the 
Ghanaians took our spot. That's an awful country full of awful people. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. What? And they were like completely serious. No laugh. I was just like, okay. I'm just gonna, you know, you know what's funny though? Comes. I bet I bet if they were into their last 16 that they would have rooted for Ghana because uh like the entire continent of Africa just wants so badly for one African team to make it to the semifinals. Like because they've never had it, they've never been an African team that's made the semifinals. Yeah. So, like, the whole continent is just, they're all now Moroccan. Everyone from Africa yeah. is now Moroccan. <laughs> yeah. Today, <laughs> I feel Moroccan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Said everyone in Africa. Um, yeah. Either way, I think I'm, I'm super happy for South Korea. Of course, I'm uh, kind of a fan of South Korea just because of Sunny. Um, but disappointed for Uruguay and Ben Tanker, who I thought had a good tournament. I'm a little happy selfishly because he went off injured in their final game and now he gets to go home and rest, which I'm thankful for because he is so integral to the Spurs midfield. And That's I'm hoping I was, he'll be. I was selfishly happy Ghana didn't go through because obviously Jesus is injury, which is tough, but the player who I, who I just believed so hard that was going to get injured was party. Yeah. Uh, and now he's, he's gone through unscathed. He's going home. It's all good. Oh, that's kind of going to wrap it up, I would assume, unless I'm talking out of my ass. We've talked about most things. Yeah, I have another yeah, random question of the day. Okay. Which I'm also going to answer first because it might take a minute. Two to in think. one day. <laughs> it might take a couple <laughs> a couple minutes to like think back through the last few minutes. What is your moment of the tournament? Mine is not even going to be during a 90 minutes. It's going to be I ran not singing the national anthem. Because yeah. the stuff that it led to, the um, I forget what it's called. Like ba- the morality police in Iran was the military abolished. police is what they're called. Yeah, or yeah. it's called no, it's called the morality police. The military police is still its own thing. The mor- no is literally called the morality okay, okay, okay. police I... because they like which why they're like stoning women with hijab without wearing hijabs. That's like the whole like thing around it is because it's supposed to uphold the Shia and. Uh, ideals yeah but them not singing the the national anthem the courage that takes on a world stage goes up there with like the 1980 world cup with the two with the relay team hold or the 200 meter winners holding up their fists when there were race riots going on in detroit like the the courage it takes to do that the Iran fans who you who boo the national anthem and surely Iran knows probably every citizen who is in Qatar for that World Cup. Like just the courage around that is probably like my moment in the tournament. I don't really know how to follow that up. Uh, well, damn. I, I don't. We I mean, some time to think. Yeah, I I don't like. I'm just saying I don't. I could say anything right now and it pales in comparison to that. So I think, you know, I, I would agree with you a hundred percent from a purely foot. What's that? I was going to say, I can do Jersey, two jerseys, three jerseys of the day. Wow. No, 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 no. Don't worry about it. Um, I my... do have three today though. Jesus Christ. Um, it's because they've all been worn in succession. It, that's why. Uh, my moment of the tournament I'm going to say is, um, I'm going to go with the South Korea 
going through in the very final minute. Those celebrations at the very end, I think, was really cool to see. It was just something super fun uh, to watch the kind of all the human elements that were going on, the various emotions that you could see uh, just throughout, you know, Uruguay and, and South Korea and, and Ghana, too. Uh, so I think that was a really, really great moment. I'm going with the Japan win over Spain to win the top of the group. Uh, from a goal which, for the first time ever, VAR has added excitement to the game <laughs> <laughs> instead of taking it away. Yeah. Because uh, that, that's just so awesome. Uh, just never gave up on the play. Presumably, ball goes out of play, but they keep going. They score. But then, you know, VAR shows it's, it is one belated grass in. Yeah. So, I think that was pretty awesome. Stuff because y- y'all picked great ones so far, and I, you know there's a bunch of good moments so far. Um, I just have to go with Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we, no one thought that, and just the responses on like social media of Saudi Arabian fans just being so happy was was so funny. It was exci- It was it was good to see, but it was also funny just because they were like they didn't know what to do because it was just so out of nowhere. Yeah, my within like a game one would be Christian Pulisic quite literally putting his nuts on the table to put <laughs> us into the round of six. There's a great tweet. It said he will never be a father after that, but he will forever founding be a father. founding father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely excellent. All right, Josh, I think it's time for the jerseys of the day. Okay, it was going to be two, but it's going to be three because it was cold today, so I wore a hockey jersey. I've got the Flyers away jersey. I have Giroux on the back. Giroud? <laughs> Giroux, actually. <laughs> Which was also fitting because Giroux played today. Uh, it's our away jersey. It is not the most beautiful jersey. It's a Flyers jersey. I love it. We haven't really changed our jersey since we've been a team. First, second, third hockey, third hockey jersey. Anyway. Um, and then sticking with a purple theme, an Al Ain FC jersey, which is honestly a beautiful jersey. It's purple. It's got, like, really nice gold accents to it. It's just really unique. It's got, like, the UAE flag on the side, which just kind of, like, adds, like, a weird, like, unique twist to it. I love it. And then I preluded this on a previous podcast that I was going to get a collection complete. And Gage guessed that it was going to complete the major sports ones, which is true. Because now I have all four of the major U.S. sports. And I have a Sacramento Kings, the Ron Fox jersey. Um, it's just – it's really nice as a Jordan jersey. It's got, like, nice, like, purple accents to it. I don't know if I can show this on camera very yeah, well. Yeah, we can see it barely. But... but, like, the gray accents in it have an S to it for Sacramento. It's just a really nice jersey. I think it's going to with the purple. Oh, the purple's nice, but like there's little gray accents that have like S's that add like a nice texture to it. Then when you realize it's an S for Sacramento, super nice. Things can look really good with like a hoodie and like black uh, joggers or like tapered sweatpants. What made you go with uh, Sacramento just because it looked good? Well, yeah. And then like in middle school, I like Sacramento. I don't know why. If it was just like I like the logo or liked how the Marcus Cousins played. And then they're doing good. Yeah, and they're doing yeah. good this year, and I've been wa- I got to watch them. I got to watch them beat up on the Nets. 
I'm going to a Kings game. I was already going to a Kings game in February, and then one of my with one of my coworkers because he has uh, tickets for all the bobblehead nights because it's the Spurs' 50th anniversary. So they have a really cool like Fiesta bobblehead thing with all five that you like make in the one like bobblehead set. Um, and then he was like, "Hey," because he had never sat in the lower bowl, and I, I was like, "Hey, let's go sit in the lower bowl in this game." And the Black Friday sale ended up being a Kings game, and it just kind of fit. So I got to watch like two of their games this season. It's hard because they're not that good of a team previously. So they're not on ESPN or TNT a lot. But yeah, just kind of completed a sort of collection. I'm glad you got a basketball jersey because a long time ago I, I had a few basketball jerseys, but I just never wore them because I didn't know how they, how they would be uh, styled. So They're hard to wear. Those. Yeah. I feel like now it's like, just you wear them over hoodies. Yeah. I feel like that's also the best way to do it i want to be showing off my armpits all day yeah i got yeah. no reason for that i never did that when i played any anyway like i would always wear like a shirt under it yeah all right ethan all right so i've got two things and i, I think this is cool because it's kind of like a duo so i you guys know i'm a beatles fan so i went ahead with a hard day's night i think Ooh. this is their third album a lot of good hits on it you've got Hard Day's Night, obviously, uh, Happy, or, and I Love Her, Can't Buy Me Love, all that stuff. Uh, I picked They were that your one. top artists in uh, Wrapped, right? They were. Spotify Wrapped is out. So if you want, we can post all of ours. Well, I guess Except not Josh's. Yeah, because brother has a no You Spotify and I can post premium. ours, Ethan. What are the Spotify premium? <laughs> okay. Also, like, mine's not going to be that interesting. I don't listen to that much music. Like, I don't have an aux cord or Bluetooth in my car. So it's normally a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Mine wouldn't have been that good anyway. It maybe would have been like 5,000 or like 8,000 minutes, if that. Right. Yeah. And I get it. It's just all fun and games. But so oh, yeah. I, picked, I picked this one. Uh, I picked this one because I have been collecting criterions. And if you don't know what that is, they're movies that are like, like they, they fix them. They make them look a lot better and they come with some special stuff. So this is the movie they made for the album. And it's basically, you know, just following, you know, some funny adventures that the Beatles have while they're playing the music. But it comes with like cool stuff. Uh, I think this one has like a booklet, but they made it in four, they remade it in 4K. So it just has a book of all the stuff. And so, yeah, I, I thought that was cool that they made a movie about, I mean, they made a movie about a bunch of the Beatles albums, but I thought that was pretty cool. But Does it look good in 4K or does it look like, Kind of like, you know how some of the old stuff, when it gets put in the 4K, it just doesn't look great? How does it look? You know, I I don't know yet, just because I don't have oh. a 4K TV. Oh, so, yeah. Um, it, the, thing, the, the good thing about it is that it comes with a regular Blu-ray disc and then the 4K. So mm-hmm. whenever I do get a 4K TV, I'll be able to tell. But I'll have to look into that and get back to you. But uh, I've seen this before a long time ago, and I thought it was really cool. So just to have it on uh, Criterion is really cool. Now, this is an, uh, not something I usually talk about, but... I am reading. This is The Giver by Lois Lowry, and I've been tasked with reading the book. And so I'm going to keep up with it. And yeah, I'll let you know how it is. Dude, one of my kids at work was reading that the other day. It's good. I mean, in the past, I've just never been able to be, you know, and enjoy what the book has to bring, like just within the first few chapters. But I'm actually this this has got a good narrative, I think, even though I'm only like, 
you know, maybe 40 pages in. So yeah. Most excellent. All right, gentlemen, let's bring it to a close. I will not waste too much time. Ethan's flipping us off. No one will understand yeah. that. It's okay. He's definitely um, flipping exclusively me off. Yeah. So I'll say thanks to Reese first because you're not involved in this debate. Uh, thanks for coming on, Reese. Of course. I'm, I'm glad I can make it. Josh, thanks for letting us clown on you all episode. Uh, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. The sponge, as usual. Absolutely. Um, and Ethan as well. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on. We missed you last week, so it's good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. I'm I'm enjoying watching the World Cup and you know just talking about it. You know, makes me excited to you know continue doing the podcast. And a final thanks to you, the listeners, of course, as well for sticking through. Um, leave your comments, leave your likes, leave your everything. I don't know. Leave your hearts and minds behind. Whatever. Uh, that's it. We'll see you next week. That's uh, we love you all. We hope you stay safe and stay healthy. It's goodbye from us.